because it's better to take two years to get something and keep it for life than to take six months to get something and lose it. So the pattern that we want people is this. Every time I give Taylor's company money, I get something greater in return. As long as that flywheel builds, then people will just always give you more money. Something that you mentioned that was kind of interesting was economic uncertainty. What do you feel like businesses really need to be putting their effort and energy right now during these times where things are a little bit more uncertain? The way to think about a recession is like you will survive unless you die. So then the only thing we have to focus on is how to not die. I think a lot of people were inspired with what you guys did at Traffic and Funnels. From the outside, it seemed like it was the business that people were chasing. Almost everything just kind of stopped and fell off the face of the map. Is there anything that you would have changed? Yes, lots of things. You want me to clap? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Let's go. Let's do it. All right. Taylor, man, thank you for having me. Um, for those of you that are coming back into Daily Ops Boost, we took a little hiatus over the last uh, over the last couple months, um, just because the business was moving in different directions. Um, and so I wanted to launch back with Daily Ops Boost in a really fun fashion. And who better than to have Taylor Welch on the podcast? Taylor Welch, the not ops boost. <laughs> the, the not the not ops boost. <laughs> the opposite Legend. of ops. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it'd be really fun to just get some energy back into the podcast and have some more interviews with people that are doing really cool things in our space. And um, Taylor, you've been someone that I've kind of, I've looked up to uh, in my consulting career as I got into it. Uh, you were the first mastermind that nice. I actually bought in, in my consulting career. Yeah. So, uh, and first mastermind I ever bought. So wow. that was a really cool transition for me. And I thought it would be just a really cool moment to have a podcast with you and, uh, and not necessarily talk about operations, but talk about business more in general. Um, I think your audience follows you pretty closely. And I say that because I follow you closely and I watch just the changes and the things that have happened over the last couple of years for you. There's been a lot of changes. There's been a lot of things that have, that have shifted for you. Oh, yeah. um, I guess with those shifts, I guess your mentality for business is different than it was two years ago, hands down. Like I've watched the message change What's kind of been the big, biggest message change for you over the last few years of how you do business? The, the thing you get is less important than can you keep it hmm. and how did you get it? Hmm. So when I first started, I was like, I was so obsessed with like hitting new levels because in my mind, I viewed hitting new levels as security. Because hmm. um, when I was, you know, I was poor, like I didn't have anything and I was married and I remember... I remember literally asking um, my father-in-law, like, do I have your blessing to marry your daughter? And the conversation was really weird because I was super broke and he knew it. So he's kind of like, I mean, not really, but you're probably going to do it anyways. <laughs> and uh, for me, I was like, you know, I don't know how deep you want to go into this, but like people... When people go through trauma, they create these inner vows. Mm. Um, Abraham Lincoln one time was trying to grow his law practice, and he went to Ohio to show up for a, a court hearing. And um, the attorneys that had hired him had cut him out but didn't tell him. So he showed up to Ohio. He went through the, the hassle of getting there, and they made fun of him. We're like, why are you even here? And he never went back to Ohio. Like He, he avoided it. Like he, mm. never, he, he couldn't even go back to the, to the city that he was in for that hearing. It's like human beings are notorious for this. We create these inner vows 
because we go through something so traumatic that we're like, I can never be in that place again. Sometimes this is healthy in that um, it's like, I will never put my family at risk here again. Mm-hmm. That's great. Great, great vow to have, like do that. Yeah. But for me, the, the statement that I made to myself was, never again will I not be able to have the things that I deeply crave yeah. because I'm so broke. Mm-hmm. And what that turned into was a bit of an untamed monster. Because, uh, and it was, as you're familiar, it was, it was a hydro monster. I could not get rid of it because no matter what happened, money was always the solution. Yeah. And if I want to solve a problem, I need more money. If I want to feel better about myself, I need more money. If I want to be more respected amongst my peers, I need more money. And so no matter what zone of life you went into, I was like, the answer is always growth. Mm-hmm. And now having two kids, having kind of been through the ringer a little bit, having had record great months and record bad months and everything in between, I'm like, okay, before I tackle a new level, let's make sure I can keep it once I get it. Because it's better to take two years to get something and keep it for life mm-hmm. than to take six months to get something and lose it. Yeah. It's a very different type of operating. Yeah. You know? Well, I feel like the biggest thing that I've seen from an outside perspective, the speed of the game has changed drastically for yeah. you. The yeah. speed that you're going at, it seems way more measured it's yep. way more retention focused yep. it's way more uh how can we deliver the value yep and make sure we can keep people long term mm-hmm. versus high volume high revenue growth limited profit like even now you talk more about profit than than ever um i guess where did a lot of that mind shift kind of start taking place for you well when you do like the when you do all of the work to acquire deals and business and sign sign new business it really hurts when you can't hang on to it because you only put your effort into the acquisition piece mm-hmm. so like you know traffic and funnels we have 2000 clients not customers clients we're running about 100 a month for about a year and a half we had 3000 clients for a sales mentor then intelligent advertisers started picking up so it's like you look back and it's like we've done i really i had this moment of realization i think it was like the the beginning of or maybe middle of 2021 i was like i've had more clients than most people ever have in customers like i have more clients than most people have in leads and it's just a it's just a merry-go-round of like people Mm -hmm. are here then they're somewhere else something like there's a hole in the bucket so Mm -hmm. i'm like i'm not going to do all of the work to get the business if the business then just leaves. And to be honest, it hit me way deeper than just like focusing on re- focusing on like the, the deliverables and the experience. It actually changed my whole view of models. Hmm. So like from a business model standpoint, the whole like run a call funnel, grab clients, turn and burn, I hate that shit now. Like yeah. I just don't, I won't do it. Because I'm not gonna invest the resources into just a very quick hit of cocaine called a P&L. <laughs> like that's awful. What I want is like a durable, lasting asset that doesn't ever dry up. Yeah. So to do that, you have to get into brands. You have to have, a, have branding. Well, to have a good brand, you can't have clients hate you after they give you money. Uh, so it's like, and, and I'm not saying that that was like all of traffic and funnels because it wasn't. But there were definitely key areas where it's like, we are too busy acquiring new business that we can't take time keeping new business. So we have like, mm. we're printing hats and shirts and hoodies right now that say, keeping clients is better than getting clients. I love that. And now people that are that are sophisticated like you are like, oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah. 
Um, and the people at the beginning are like, what? I don't understand that. You guys. And so see, it's like literally a market sophistication thing as well. Like how do we grow up and sophisticate the market? Because client acquisition, which is like one of our main, it was one of our main pedigrees, like client acquisition funnels, feeder funnels, like yeah. we just flooded the zone with that. So now it's like, okay, what's the point of client acquisition? If you can't keep them, don't acquire them. Yeah. Well, even the messaging that we're seeing on social media nowadays, it's all very lead generation focused. It's all about acquiring new clients. Like that's the problem that everyone feels like they need to solve. People even like Hermosi coming out with $100 million leads, $100 yeah. million offers. Yeah. It's all focused on the ability to acquire clients. Do you feel like we're gonna see kind of the shift or swing back the other direction? No. No? Why not? So I think human nature is, is what it is. And I think that there will always be low hanging fruit and like the make money, mm. like get clients, um, business in a box. Like there's always gonna be low hanging fruit that marketers will capitalize on. Mm. And then there's always gonna be referencing Hormozy again, the game behind the game. Yeah. Which is like, okay, let's build a real business here. And so what Hormozy does really well is he's got like, if you sit down and talk with him, he's got the same ethos on acquisition on the back, but he understands attention on the front. So he knows that there's low hanging fruit there. Sure. Um, like we do have products right now that are focused on client acquisition. The key though is like, I am so good at acquisition that I will flood everyone with shit. Yeah. And then it's like when you, we're, we're already, we're doing 3000 customers a month right now and I'm not even focused on acquisition. Yeah. I'm focused on like retention. We can't help it. Like if you see our promo, we sell them out in 24 hours. Every time we put someone in the market, it sells out. There's just something unique. Like everyone has a competitive advantage. One of our competitive advantages is acquisition. And I think because of that, I've been burned by the acquisition. Mm. And so now I'm like, yo, yo, hold on. Make sure that the bucket you put people into is dependable and defensible and sustainable. I don't necessarily think we'll have a swing back though, because I think human nature is always obsessed with the front end. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I guess like with the swing going so heavy into lead generation, um, there's probably a little bit of lack of trust that's going to enter into the marketplace, especially with people that are going to be burnt yeah. with things that either don't deliver result or don't fix the main problem in the first place. How are you kind of seeing your ability to create trust as being someone that is so known for lead, lead flow, acquisition, sales, and building trust with an audience where it's like, hey, we're moving into more stabilization, into more profitability. Like, how are you building that trust with, with your prospects? Team, real quick, if you're on ClickUp, you're gonna wanna download this client management template pack, especially if you run an agency. I'm gonna leave it in the show notes for you. It's 100% free. Go click the link and download the template pack. Um, there's a lot of production that we do for content, so we, we give a lot of stuff away for free. Um, but we, more so than that, we're actually pumping out a lot of products that are cheap. So especially right now, like we're, we're in a recession, government's lying about it, nobody knows what's going on, but we're in a recession mm -hmm. for sure. Um, so money's tighter, people are starting to feel it, velocity slows down and the, the, the access to money is lower. So in a recession environment especially, trust becomes even more important. And so what we're doing is we're fractionalizing the value proposition. So um, to create more trust, you have, to give thing, you have to give people more things to buy mm. that can teach them a pattern. So the pattern that we want people is this, every time I give Taylor's company money, 
I get something greater in return. Mm. It's a great, it's a profitable investment for me. If I give you $10, you give me $100,000 worth of value. Awesome. As, as long as that flywheel builds, then people will just always give you more money. Because mm -hmm. every time they give you money, they get something more than the money they put in. Mm -hmm. The problem with everything being free though is you have no transaction and so there's no pattern. Mm -hmm. So when it comes time to ask somebody for money, they have no pattern. It's like you're giving them everything for free. Like, wow, I love this person. I really love this person. Oh my God, they're so amazing. Then it comes time to give them $20,000. They have no background to go off of. In, from an, just a, even a, a, an instinct level, there's no muscle memory there. So w what you want to do is you want to pump out more products because then you build muscle memory in the market. Right? Buy a $20 memo, fantastic. Buy a $100 course, fantastic. Buy a $1,000 course, fantastic. $6,000 event, fantastic. By the time it's like, yo, to work with us one-on-one is a couple hundred thousand dollars. They're like, well, muscle memory is there and it worked well, so here's a couple hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, that, that is a massive, massive medium for building trust. You have to get the completion of the cycle. There has to be money exchanged, not just attention, but money. Did yeah. I answer that question? Yeah, oh, 100%. Yeah, it kind of reminds me, I was talking with my business partner about, uh, he's, he's doing a Muay Thai currently nice uh and so talk about like callousing the, the yeah. fronts of the shins oh, yeah. uh, in order to be able to kind of build that resistance uh it kind of reminds me of, of that analogy of yeah 100 like, hey, we're, we're building some of that that resistance in order to have the bigger ask down the road so you can yeah. kick at full power yeah without it hurting 100 percent right? love that yeah something that you mentioned that was kind of interesting was uh economic uncertainty where do you feel like businesses really need to be putting their effort and energy right now during these times where things are a little bit more uncertain? I mean, it's a great time for people to invest in their thinking the way they think because um, everyone survives these moments unless you die, hmm. which is about as simple as you can make it. <laughs> we're take it all the way down to the studs. You will survive unless you die. Uh -huh. That's um, true. Okay, so why is that important? Like, why are we laughing? Because it's basic. It's like saying, like, like, every once in a while I'll go on Twitter and I'll tweet this thing that I just keep reusing. I'm like, if you want to know how to, how to never quit again, right before you quit, don't. And people all, all the time lose their minds. They're like, hmm. oh, why don't I ever think about that? And some people are like, oh, that really makes sense. Like, That's great. It's just first principles. Bring it down as low as you can go. The way to think about a recession is, like, you will survive unless you die. So then the only thing we have to focus on is how to not die. And most of the time what that looks like is you have to really focus on cash flow, not profit, cash flow, it's different. Um, you have to focus on your own thinking. The fastest path to destruction is a mismanagement of thinking. Hmm. That's the fastest path by far. If you think that you're gonna die, you die automatically. And so I th think right now is like, wh what I do in moments like this or in seasons like this is I get super paranoid almost to, uh, of, of my thinking, like my thoughts. Like everything around me becomes very pristine. Like there's zero negativity, there's zero fear, there's zero, none of that's allowed. I've gotta incubate my thinking because if I become negative or if I become pessimistic mm. inside of a season where things are tight, um, then I'll, I'll, I'll warp my behavior around that. And this is like, I don't know if you're coming next week, but we're doing this training on Friday about behave, uh, belief architecture. You can program yourself to believe certain things. And so somebody on one of the uh, client calls yesterday, they said, 
hiring a marketer is really difficult. And everyone's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Hiring marketers is difficult. But I actually took like I took that and I was like, let's let's use this as an example for belief architecture. What's the utility of thinking that marketers are hard to, to hire? Hmm. Zero. It doesn't help you. And so that would be deprogram that belief because it's not helpful. It doesn't actually matter whether something is true or false. It matters some, whether something is useful or not. Mm-hmm. And so right now I'm very, like, my recommendation is, like, judge something not by its merit but by its usefulness, which means that if you have somebody saying something online that makes you feel scared, you just unfollow them. If you have things in your life that make you feel nervous, you should probably unfollow and really clean that environment because it all starts in the mind. Yeah. If you survive, you survive. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, for sure. And kind of like spinning off the mindset side of things, um, you're bringing back daily mind medicine. We're doing it. Let's go. That's super yeah. exciting. Actually, one of the, the first podcasts that I started listening to um, was daily mind medicine. Uh, and I remember just playing it on repeat on my way to, way to the gym. Um, why, why did it stop? In the first place. So the, it was a lot of work. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, you know, because you have a daily podcast. Yep, yep. Um, and I was doing it for, like, so we started Daily Mind Medicine the first time in March of 2020. Do you remember what happened in March of 2020? Uh, COVID. Yeah, COVID hit. Yeah. It was like, wow, this is like God timing. This is yeah. crazy. Um, and we were consistent, and I, I was just call, I knew I was called to it, so I just kept doing it. Even and it, it became difficult because it's a daily podcast, and this was in 2020, so I was still cutting my teeth on what is my philosophy, how do I view the world. I had reached a level of success that, to be honest, outpaced my feeling of deservedness for that success. Like I, I'd sort of raced to this destination, and so what I really think happened, and the real, real reason it stopped, is my life got so complicated. Um, I don't know if you follow a guy named Shane Parrish. I don't. So he runs um, the Knowledge Project, Farnham Street. This is one of his projects. Okay. He just wrote a book called Clear Thinking. He's worth a follow on Twitter. Okay. And he talks about the surface area of your life. So he says if people would be happier if they tended to the surface area of their life and trying to keep the surface area small. And the idea is like, I have billionaire friends that have like two houses. Hmm. They don't have a million houses. Because every house you add, you've got to have a staff and maintenance and clean it. And so people think that wealth equates to having more stuff, but wealth really equates to more control over your time. So keeping the surface area small. I violated that rule and my life became extremely complicated. We had hundreds of houses all over the place. I had four businesses, uh, 200 staff. I could barely show up. Like you remember this because you were in the, the career. Like I, I, showing up, I would speak for an hour and then leave. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't fully invested. And I just got to the point where I think, to be honest with you, I was a little overwhelmed and I was like, I can't keep I can't make this investment of time when I don't even know what my life is for like I had to fix some things for my own direction and my own clarity so we made a decision to stop and move things around because uh, the good life is a different project that mm-hmm. we started running which is going really well but the reason we're bringing it back is because now there's a modicum of clarity and depth in what I'm building and the the, the it's just a derivative like there's no extra effort for me to record this podcast. It's, yeah. it's actually, it's already baked in. We have 20 hours of content a week that are coming out of the organization. I've got my C-suite. When I gave away the companies, dude, I gave away my C-suite. Yeah. And I'll never do that again. Um, the loss of leverage was extreme. So hmm. 
I went from not having to do anything to like I have to do everything. Yeah. Like I have to file my own taxes and like count my money and do all of this stuff that like I don't even know how to do. Like I don't know how to hire people. Um, I have been so disconnected, and this is the problem I think with getting fully removed is like that shit's muscle memory. And so if you get too removed for too long, you eventually sort of forget and then certain people have to run your life. And what I did is I just gave all that away. Mm-hmm. So that's a really, we're taking the scenic route to answer the question. Yeah, I love it. Um, but it just became an, a, a piece of complexity and complication for me that I had to put on pause. Mm-hmm. And actually I didn't even put it on pause. I just canceled it. I had no intention of bringing it back. We weren't, we weren't going to bring it back. Yeah. And it's just become a thing of we're doing it internally for our team. Which is how most good things start. Like <laughs> night school, we started it for our team. I remember night and school. And then it went to the, to the other people. Like the, the sales meetings and the sales training, we started for our team. Then it went into sales mentor. It's mm-hmm. so like most great things actually do start for our crew, like internally. And so DMM is like, it's, we're on day 60. Like we're, we're just about to launch to the market, but for 60 days we've been pumping it into our internal yeah. people. And now it's like, let's take it back to the market because our internal crews are like, Yo, this is getting me through. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, the impact's there. Now we got the mission. Pump it back out. Yeah. I think a lot of people were inspired with what you guys did at Traffic and Funnels. From the outside, it seemed like it was the business that people were chasing or yeah. were aspiring to be. Um, over the course of a few months, it seems like almost everything just kind of stopped and fell off the face of the map. Um, what are some things that not necessarily you would have done differently, but is there anything that you would have changed on just kind of closing the chapter on Tia? Yes, lots of things. Um, it was very heavily built around um, like a personality, hmm. which is the traditional classic guru type model. Um, but if you actually look inside the back end of Wealthy Consultant now, it's built around faculty. So the concentration risk of TF was insane. It's like, <laughs> it's basically like uh, as soon as I stepped out, it was kind of like um, three months, four months, and it was kind of, everything was kind of like winding up. So the first thing I would have done different is brought in a CEO, like a leader that, and I think I had the right person. I think it was just a, the wrong timing. Mm. Um, I would have done that early. And succession planning doesn't doesn't start when you need to look for a, a replacement. Succession planning starts like day one. So I've got my leader already with Wealthy Consulting. We're only a year in. You know, TF, we made it seven years without having even thinking about it. Um, I would have stayed more involved as well. I think that my the thing I was chasing was escape. Because that's what I was taught. Like, you get to a place where it's like, you know, I just was talking to somebody not too long ago. And uh, they're like, oh, the, every, the business is going great. I don't have to do anything. Or I showed up and talked for like 20 minutes to an event. I was like, oh, man. That's not good. That's not good. Because, like, uh, why own the business? You know, why? Th- this isn't a, um, you're not running a, a multifamily apartment. Like, you're running a, an agency. Yeah. Like, if you don't like it. If you're not doing anything with it, you're going to lose touch with it. And so I would have stayed more involved and more engaged. The 
point of running a business is is that impact of the world. It's romance. It's obsession. It's being something that you cannot not do. Like you have to. I, I can't not do this. And I didn't have that right with TF. Do you feel like you fell out of love with yeah, that? Yeah, I did. I did, but it wasn't because of the business. It was because of what I thought I was supposed to do. Hmm. I thought I was supposed to escape. I thought I was supposed to exit. You know. Because everyone else exits. Yeah. Um, but then once they exit, the funny thing is like, they're like, I'll never exit again. <laughs> so it's like, like they exit the business and now it's like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm buying companies that I'm never going to sell for the rest of my life. Oh, got it. So you're doing the opposite of what you did the first time. And so with, with TWC, like I don't ever think I'll ever sell it. Yeah. And, but it's built if so we could. Like I could sell equity. I could have partners that come in. We have shareholders that come in. But man, why would you... Um, why would you stop eating? Mm. Like, why would you stop exercising? Like, it's good for you. Yeah. Like, take your, take your, eat your veggies, like do your job. And I got way too disconnected. And then the process of coming back in was whiplash. And mm. it was like, you know, I don't, don't, I don't know what anybody here does. Like, I don't know any of the staff. Like, I have no idea what's, what's going on. Yeah. Where do you think that disconnect stemmed from? In what regards? I guess... As you started to fall out of love with the business and started becoming more disconnected, was it just that you felt that the team had capacity, the team had the reins for it, yeah. and you could step out? Yeah, that was or, part of it. Or was there also like something like internally where you're just like, hey, I'm burnt on this, and I just need, I need some space between me and my business? It wasn't that. It wasn't burnout. It was mostly like you go through this work and you build... I didn't know what to call it then, but now we have models for it. So you have your T1, T2, T3, you've got your whole team structure, you have your org chart, you have your, um, like everything from, everything with TF, like that was my first business. I had never had a business before then. First one hit like multi eight figures. And that was actually uh, a net negative hmm. because I didn't have to exert effort against the problem to fix it. I just like, built it's like you had like Midas touch happen hmm. so if you take 10 years of a person's life you know three of them are going to be amazing like momentum everywhere scale 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 um three years are going to be like four years are going to be average and then two to three years are going to try to kill you like hmm. you have this this very equal spread across like uh most people's lives what happened with me is like my first seven years were just like everything grow and then all my problems were like clustered together at the very end of the first decade. Does it make sense? Yeah. So by the time we got to like year seven, my entire mode for business was just like, I'm Taylor Welch. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know why you're struggling. Like, you must be stupid. Everything I do works. Like, there's something <laughs> wrong with you. Um, and then as like we started tipping into that, like, okay, all your problems are now clustered together. And I was like, oh, cool. I'm about to physically die. Um, turns out I just had that same spread as everyone else, but my success was front loaded and my problems were back loaded. So where did the disconnect come from? I think it came from just a lack of experience. Number one, it came from having leaders that were put in place that were doing a great job that I just trusted to continue on. And for the most part, a lot of leaders were great. Some of them were not, but a lot of them were great, great people. And you can see that by the scattering post TF of all of the businesses that have started forming because of like 
How many sales trainers work for me? The majority of them. <laughs> All of them except for like one. Yeah. Well, that's not a bad thing. Like I don't, I used to have like, I used to get salty about it, but now I'm like, actually that's kind of cool. That's very cool. Because like they had enough training and enough skill that like they were drawn to me in the first place and then they took that and they went out and they created awesome things for the marketplace. So you can tell like the, the, the rep or the quality or caliber of an organization by like the entrepreneurs that come out of that organization. Mm -hmm. We had a ton. So like yeah. there were great leaders, but I think it just, it was a slow process of me not having the experience, not knowing what to keep tabs on. And if you've ever that phrase, like work on your business, not in your business. Yeah, of course. That can also kill your business because if you're only working on the business and you never go into the business, how do you know what to work on? So there's this dance of like zoom out, zoom in, zoom out. I stayed zoomed out for too long and then I couldn't really get back into it. Hmm. Yeah. Hope that helps. No, super helpful. Well, I guess what's kind of next for you? For Just, Wealthy fun. Consultant? Just fun. Nothing but fun. Yeah. What are you, what fun thing are you excited for? We're doing a lot of teaching. So we have, we have the book that came out a couple months ago, which was great. We have a new book coming out in January called The Excellent Experience. It's all in client service and retention. Mm -hmm. um, there's, you know, two ways to learn things. You can either um, hire a bunch of people, test it out, and get subject matter experience, or you can break every single thing in that area that you learned through doing it wrong. So with client service, I basically learned through doing <clears throat> everything wrong for four years, and now I've rebuilt it the right way. So that's about client service and retention and systems. We have, we'll probably release three books next year. So the team is rolling. Yeah. We have great faculty. Um, we'll do 22 events next year. And they're a blast. So That's like, wild. man, next week's gonna be phenomenal. Local or kind of spread out all over the Both, place. so we'll be in Colorado in February, Barcelona in June, London next December, um, and then the rest are in Nashville. Mm. Um, but it's like, look, if I'm gonna work on and in a business, what's fun for me to do? Let's just build it around that for now. So it's like that gives you this torque and this pull and this drive. Like there's no, there's no like real rule around the business. There's just what works. And for us right now, we're doing a lot of events, a lot of fun. Um, our team is really good, really healthy. I love creating products that are cheap so that they're affordable for the market. Um, like high ticket has become this thing. Like we were one of the three front runners of high ticket. And back then it was novel, but now it's like, you know, okay, if what about people who don't want to spend 30 grand to work with us? What about they just want a book and it's $9? Yeah. I love pumping those things into the market because when you got started, you weren't paying 30 grand for something. You were buying a book, mm. you know? And it's like, if you want to actually reach the entrepreneurs and the, the up and comers, you've got to put out products that, that can meet them where they're at. So I love that we 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 do these promos every month, um, and there's new products that help people with all sorts of business acumen. We have the like the the group of businesses. I don't like using the word portfolio because now it's become like a thing, but <laughs> I own a group of companies that kind of share resources. So we have the content agency, we have the sales agency. Um, at some point, we'll probably start a copy agency as well because copywriting really is like if there's a holy grail skills copy mm. and the ability to write and influence the world through your writing. So it's just fun. Like when you get into these seasons of chaos, 
as long as the direction is healthy, then you can just lose yourself in the blitz hmm. and you'll have a blast and you'll pop up out of it in six months and you'll be like, that was fun. Let's plan the next six months. Yeah. You can't stay in the blitz for four years because then you lose your sense of direction. Hmm. So you can pop up every four to six months. You, you make sure you're on pace. You ask, what am I most excited about? excited about the holidays and I'm excited to blitz next year. Like I love, I love the competition. Like I love running. And if I find somebody who's a worthy comp competition and they like to run, I just want to run and see who wins. Like it's not a, it's not a, I hate you thing. It's like, yeah. who's faster? And if you're faster, well, I'll get faster and we'll come back next year. Yep. It's fun. It is. You know? I love that. So in kind of wrapping, I always like to ask some sort of like off the cuff kind of random question. Let's and go. I prepared this one for you. And I was, I was on the way over here and I was listening to uh, a, a podcast and they were talking about Mr. Beast, uh, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Of course. Of course. Um, so Mr. Beast is currently undergoing some scrutiny for his last video that he did, uh, installing 100 wells. wells. Yeah. Um, which people will find scrutiny in just about anything. Yeah. But as someone, and as someone that follows you on Facebook, and if you follow Taylor Welch long enough on Facebook, the haters do <laughs> present themselves from time to time. Yes. So if you were to give Mr. Beast any type of advice on dealing with the haters right now, what would it be? You should have built a thousand. <laughs> like double down. The, I mean, the, the haters and the scrutiny sometimes tell you exactly where to double down on and where to go. I don't think Jimmy cares. I mean, Ben Hardy uses Jimmy as an example for like your future self. Mm. Uh, he, he's Jimmy's executing a playbook right now. He's probably 50 years into the future, honestly, in his head right now. I don't think he cares. Um, but I mean, he had the advice of the, do it again. See if you can solicit the same rage because that's like making you even more famous. Just do more. Just do more of it. Yeah. I love it. Beautiful. You got no haters. You have no, you have no torque. Yeah. yeah. You need a few. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Taylor, man, thank you so much for, for jumping on Daily Ops Boost with us today. Appreciate your time, man. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back on soon. Let's go, man. Thank you so much for watching another episode of Daily Ops Boost. We really appreciate your attention. If you're loving the podcast format that we do here, you're going to absolutely love our YouTube content. It's a little bit more long form. And we also do a live stream every single Wednesday at 7 p.m. Central Time. It's called Agency Therapy. We'd love to see you there. Go check us out on YouTube.